Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. This show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Tuesday and Thursday, or is it Friday evenings, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long family camp, which we hope will be filled to the brim, and I'll discuss why. Uh, soon as usually... We sometimes sell out a week or two before camp, but we may sell out long before that. Uh, <clears throat> and you can learn more about us by visiting our website, campconstitution.net. You can also listen to this show on our various uh, podcast uh, platforms. Our flagship is Podomatic. So then you can also pick it up on Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and about a half a dozen others. And we and occasionally we... Well, if we interview somebody, we might uh, put it up on YouTube. We haven't done that in a little while, but we tend to do, we like to do that on occasions. So we do encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, our automatic page. I think with that, you follow. You don't like it, you just follow it. And anyway, I want to give a little report. I think last week I mentioned that one of our favorite instructors, Professor Willie Soon, was a guest on the Tucker Carlson show. Now, Tucker Carlson was fired by Fox. I think most people who follow that follow the media know that. And he started to have a show on <laughs> what is now called X, formerly Twitter. And, you know, he has his own network. And he's, um, so what happened is he reached out to Willie, uh, someone on the staff did, and back in, I think it was December 17th, Willie flew down to Florida, where he has one of his studios, and uh, did the interview. And Willie was asking for some suggestions and some help, maybe guidance, you know, somebody who might have been on Tucker's show before. So I put him in touch with our friend, Vince Ellison, and they chatted. And anyway, I did encourage Willie to promote Camp Constitution, and he did. He told me that Tucker, when he first heard about the camp, was visibly excited to hear about it and plans to speak at camp this uh, this year in July. So the show aired about a week, about 10 days ago. It was, I think, a Thursday morning. And we received such an incredible response. Over well over 40,000 views on our website. Uh, we've got a couple of thousand dollars of unsolicited donations, even somebody from Romania. Um, we got a lot of people have expressed an interest in attending camp. And so far, one family has already signed up. And we expect a, another handful of families. Now, these would be new families who have never come to camp before, as well as some unaccompanied um, adults who express an interest in coming. And I think that. And um, now what happened was Willie gave us sort of a two-minute unscripted infomercial straight from the heart about uh, Camp Constitution and, you know, the fact, excuse me, the fact that his family participates and have, have got a lot out of it and he encouraged people to come. And so we, we got more response in that short little infomercial than we did from all of the media coverage we received from our flag case. Now we got tons of media coverage, you know, 
Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, Newsmax, and almost every daily newspaper, online versions, hard copy versions, et cetera, et cetera. Breitbart, um, World Net Daily, all everybody. And uh, but you know we got a share of interest, but nothing like the little two minute infomercial, which really points out that Tucker Carlson has one heck of a following, and most of the people who watch Tucker Carlson watch the show to the end. You know, a lot of the video, a lot of videos for you know when you go to YouTube and you have a YouTube channel, and you look at um, you know where they analyze uh, what's happening. Not everybody watches a video to its end. Now, if it's a 10-second video, no problem. And that's why it's kind of hard to get the, the, the complete metrics. But if it's a video that's um, an hour long, half hour long, most people don't watch it to the end. But it looks like most people watch Tucker Carlson to the end, especially when he's got particularly good people he's interviewing, like people like, people like Willie Soon. So, um, and of course, not only was it on, it was on uh, Twitter or X, it was on YouTube, it was on Rumble, it was on just a number of formats. And we, we even now, even today, we don't generally, I mean, we're like a, in many respects, we're like a, a mom and pop variety store, you know, you might get 50, 60 customers a day, and that's enough to keep you in business, right? You know, a big store, that a big Walmart, you need several thousand customers to make it maybe four or 5,000. So we usually get maybe 50 to 60 visitors a day. And sometimes if uh, a certain thing comes up, uh, it might be a, a posting I sent out or a video that we did, we might get a few hundred. And when we in the media, we get in the media, get on a, get on a radio show, like Ed Martin show or the Tomara Scott show or these other, we'll get a little blip, you know, but not, but nothing is overwhelming as we did during the Tucker Carlson. So, um, yeah, so it's just uh, very encouraging to see that. We're very happy and pleased that God has blessed us in this way. So uh, now I want to discuss something that I've talked a lot about over the years, but not lately, only because um, this is the time of season when it heats up. It's the Article 5 Convention. And Article 5, I'll just give a quick little review, is that there are two ways to amend the U.S. Constitution under Article 5 of the Constitution, seven articles, and there are currently 27 amendments. And the first way is where Congress, two-thirds of the House and Senate, propose an amendment, then it goes to the states for ratification. Well, there's two ways. It either goes to the states, and you have to have three-fourths of the states, or Congress can establish what they call ratifying um, ratifying uh, committees, <laughs> or excuse me, ratifying conventions. And uh, that was done. Now, I thought it was the 18th Amendment uh, to get it ratified, but I learned maybe it was the 21st, which repealed it. But either way, Congress has used that mode uh, on, a, on at least one occasion. And there are some people on both sides of the political spectrum that have come out against it uh, and for it. So it's not just uh, some things are cut and dry, left, right, you know, pro-life. When it comes to the homosexual issue, the left loves it. The conservative Christians, they want to. The left wants to promote it, make it a. You know, they want to promote it in kindergarten. Conservatives say no. You know, this is not the right thing. That this is immoral, etc. 
But when it comes to this issue, you have people on both sides. And it's always been that way. It's not. And sometimes people can oppose something for the for different reasons. You know, for example, <clears throat> Bernie Sanders can vote no on a bill because it doesn't go far enough. You know, where the conservatives say, we're voting no on it. We don't want to see this thing. Bernie will say, oh, it doesn't. It only spends a trillion. We need to spend a hundred trillion. You know, that's uh, being a little facetious, but that's that's why they oppose things on it. Um, and uh, to give you a background, there's been, oh, over thousands of proposed amendments. And the founders made it very difficult to add amendments to the Constitution for a good reason. The second way to amend the Constitution is through what they call a Article 5 convention. Now, for years, people on both sides of the spectrum have referred to it as a constitutional convention or a CONCON, uh, Article 5 convention. <clears throat> and a group uh, that was formed, and I'll mention in the wake of an event at Harvard University in September 2011, they had a very good marketing strategy. strategy. They decided, let's call it Convention of the States. That way there, people will be confused because a lot of people don't like the idea of a constitutional convention, but we'll just call it something different and cause a little confusion. And that's what they, they've been very successful. <clears throat> so I think the first two applications. Oh, so the second way uh, is where states can apply for a convention <clears throat> and the states. In, <clears throat> you need two thirds of the states to make it happen. And the first two states to actually apply for one happened early on, even before the Constitution was ratified. And I don't even think that Congress actually convened for the first time when Virginia, they used to think it was New York, but it was Virginia and then New York. And their their goal was a convention to propose the bill, what became known as the Bill of Rights. But it wasn't necessary because uh, the, the founders, true to the words, said we will when Congress convenes, we when we will propose a bill of rights. Something became the Bill of Rights, and uh, I think there were originally there were over twenty amendments, and they whittled down to twelve. And of the twelve, ten were ratified. <clears throat> the twenty seventh amendment would have been one of the original Bill of Rights. It wasn't ratified until the mid nineties because there was no sunset clause. That means that a, a, an amendment is proposed, and it says the states have X amount of years to ratify it. And if, if it's done after that, then it's null and void. <clears throat> and um, there's been a, several amendments that have been sunset. Uh, the ERA, for Equal Rights Amendment, for example, was sunset. And after so many years, <clears throat> if they don't have the, the necessary threshold, that that uh, the the amendment is dead. <clears throat> there are some amendments that have not been sunsetted. And in fact, I just learned that there's one out there dealing with child labor. Now, of course, there was a lot of bad amendments. Now, nobody likes the idea of child labor, but there's all kinds of statewide child labor laws. There's some at the federal level, uh, but this one would have given total jurisdiction over child labor to the federal government. And it was a really naked uh, grab of power. Um, not a good thing. So that's that's still something that's in, um, you know, a constitutional cyberspace, if you want. And let's hope that it doesn't get ratified. I don't think it will anytime soon. But um, now back in the 70s and early 80s, there was a movement to, uh, there's been a number of pushes for an Article 5 over the years. And there's been 
hundreds of applications, some of them for general. And Article 5 does not spell out anything about limited or topical conventions. It said that states will apply for a convention to propose amendments to the Constitution. That's pretty simple. It may not be quite verbatim, but it doesn't say anything. States may may determine how it's done. They may determine uh, the delegates will be. None of that is in Article 5. And one of the big problems is that there is no way right now, there are no laws gar uh, gar governing one, no rules. And of course, rules can be amended and broken. And so uh, these folks who are pushing for one, and I want to say that there are a lot of well-intentioned people, and I have some that are friends of mine, that won an Article 5 convention. I think it was about a year and a half ago, uh, we had a, con a state rep from New Hampshire, Max, um, and he debated Robert Brown. Uh, Max, uh, he's not in office now. Good guy. And I told him, if, he, if I lived in this district, even though I disagree with him on this issue, I would still most likely vote for him because he's a good guy. And on, on other issues, he's solid. It's, he's not a hateful person. He doesn't suggest that if you don't believe in him, you're you're the Antichrist and you must be crushed. But that's not how groups like Convention of States play their game. Now, Convention of States was founded back in, well, I think it may have been 12. But it was founded in the wake of the event at Harvard. There was a Harvard University School of Law posted something called a Conference on the Constitutional Convention. And that was September of 2011. I was there. It was, I think, a two-day event, Saturday and Sunday. I had media credential, and I was there on a Sunday. So I didn't, I tried to be a panelist, but they would not, they wouldn't acknowledge uh, my um, my emails, my phone calls. But I did get media credential for the New American Magazine. Now, Interesting that at this event, there was groups like the Coffee Party, which I don't even think it was sort of the answer to the Tea Party. They were pushing it. Uh, Common Cause of Rhode Island was pushing it, although Common Cause is on record as against it. And they've been doing some good work working with leftists or liberals working against it. And <clears throat> Mark Meckler, at that time, he was head of the Tea Party Patriots. And Meckler's goal was to get all of these tea party groups all over the country kind of in line which thankfully did not happen and then he broke away from them and he formed a couple of different groups which one became convention of states the other host now mark meckler was one of the co-sponsors of the group <clears throat> the other one was larry lessick a left-wing harvard professor i mean when you say harvard professor you almost automatically have to imply he's a left-wing I don't think there's one conservative law professor at Harvard. They don't allow that. It's pretty much a closed shop ideologically. Uh, and if there is a conservative law professor, he doesn't tell anybody he is. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so Lessig went on to form, he ended up running for president of the United States. He didn't get very far. Um, <clears throat> and Meckler founded Convention of States. Um, also, there was a man there by the name of Cenk Uger. Now, we weren't allowed to do any videotaping or recording inside the building. Outside, we could record all we want. So I went outside and tried to find a few people. I interviewed a couple of our friends that were there, you know, as observers to get their take on things. And then there was a uh, an interview going on between um, between uh, Larry Lessig, whom I recognized, 
and this other fellow, whom I didn't recognize at the time, that was Cenk Uger. Uh, Cenk Uger formed something called the Young Turks, and Uger is a um, he he's he was from he's from Turkey. He 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 and his parents came to the United States when he was eight years old. I think he was born in 1970. So uh, and he initially had what I would call neoconservative credentials, uh, and then he ended up becoming a far leftist. Um, and he seemed to have plenty of money. Money's not a factor. He's found something called the Young Turks. Young Turks, of course, are named after the Turks that took over during World War One and afterwards. They were supposed to be the progressive Turks. They would kind of get away from their the Ottoman Empire past. Well, they were responsible for the Armenian genocide that took between a half a million to, I don't know, two million, one point five million uh, Armenian Christians. And the Muslims don't really care if you're a Catholic, a Pentecostal, a Baptist, uh, a, a Seventh-day Adventist. If you're a Christian, you're their enemy. So people, we can dispute over theology, which is fine. And I, I think theology is important. But the Muslims don't care about our theology. They don't care about our doctrinal differences. They all kill. They, they killed. They killed uh, Armenians, Catholics, Protestants, etc. <clears throat> So it's almost like he's slapping people in the face with using that name. And uh, if you ever watch that, show, I don't recommend it, but it's he's vulgar. He's always swearing. He's always angry. He's a multimillionaire, too, by the way. Uh, he, he lives in California. Uh, a few years ago, he ran for Congress. He didn't even live in the district, the 25th district. He didn't even live in the district, which you're supposed to when you run for office. He didn't do very well, even with all his money. Uh, he got He got the initial endorsement from Bernie Sanders. But what happened was uh, he's very vulgar. He uses a lot of racial epithet, uh, racial, racial slurs. Has a really hates Christians, conservatives, and he came out in favor of legalizing bestiality. And of course, that when you look at the cultural decline, that is the next logical progression in this degeneracy. Well, it may not be the uh, I would say lowering the age of consent to as young as possible, and then bestiality. That get rid of laws against bestiality, but he said well, only if the animal's being pleasured. Even his foul mouth sidekick, and and I think it's Hispanian. She is from an Armenian background, and she's working with this creep whose people murdered her people. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to fathom. So, uh, and, and his group is pushing an amendment that will do away with the concept of corporate personhood. You know, a corporation legally being a person. Now you'd be saying, oh, that's terrible. Corporations are evil. Well, there are a lot of big evil corporations, but there are also a lot of small corporations, churches, individuals, you know, families, and all this will, and this will be a, an enormous grant of power to the federal government, but they also want to have complete um, federal funding of elections. So the federal government will determine who the viable candidates are. That is a naked gross power grab now they initially they actually got five states to sign on to this uh this article 5 convention for this so-called 28th amendment doing away with corporate personhood and funding elections uh three two states have since pulled out so right now i think it's vermont rhode island and california but keep in mind too that a convention cannot be limited to a single topic that's something that a lot of people have to realize. So, but even if it could, it would be a very bad idea for this amendment. And 
last Friday, that would be January, let's see, 19th, I think, January 19th, a few days ago, I was at the State House to testify in against what is known as HCR, House Congressional House Concurrent Resolution 8. That's the Wolfpack Resolution. And to support HCR 9 to rescind New Hampshire's only extant application for an Article 5. And one of the arguments the left or the, the, the people against, and I say, you get people on both sides, but one of the arguments of the pro-Article 5 people say that a runaway convention is a conspiracy theory. It can't happen. Well, when you use the term runaway convention, you are actually accepting their definition of how a convention is run. A convention, so they're saying that a convention can be limited, and then you hold a convention, the delegates do things other than what they're supposed to be there for. So if it's for a balanced budget or term limits and they go beyond that, then that's a so-called runaway convention. But the convention is by nature open under Article 5. So so you can uh, you can't limit it to one you might try you might you might have the in 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 some cases they pass these wayward delegate or loyal delegate uh bill so saying that uh this uh, certain states i think florida was one of them that you if you're going to be a delegate to this convention you have to pledge that this will be the only thing you do you know the only reason is to pass an amendment on this or the topic would be bills that uh, amendments that deal with limiting government or something like that so that can all you can do and if you get to the convention and go beyond that you are subject to fines and what are they going to do they're going to put you in jail and one of the things is if the crime is committed in another state what jurisdiction do they have unless that convention was held in the state that you know the state of new hampshire for example if the national convention is held in new hampshire the delegates from new hampshire might be liable but the other delegates how are you going to enforce it you know uh but it's up to Congress to determine the mode of uh, determine the laws. And I pointed out when I testified, I said all these people, these some of these resolutions are actually calling for how a, a convention is going to be conducted. I said it's not constitutional. States don't have that authority. Congress does. And I pointed out, I had a big stack. I had a, a 1979 hearings. So there was two bills that were heard by the Senate subcommittee in 1979. There's been others, but this is just an example. And I had a call. We made copies of this and we actually have them on our website. It's, it's, I don't know, like 2000 pages. I, I made some, I had some printed up in booklet form, they could, a book form. They couldn't even find a bind. They couldn't even get a binder big enough to put it into. So it had to be like a loose, they had to use some string, you know, to, to tie it up. So, uh, so Congress thinks it can because under article one, section eight, the last clause, which I think is the 18th is called necessary and proper. So, Everything uh, the Congress has the power to make laws to enact the various powers that are granted to them in the Constitution is called the Necessary and Proper Clause, and that's not just that's all the articles. You know, for example, they have the power to tax, where they got to pass a bill to raise taxes. They can declare war. They have to have a vote to declare war. So, so <clears throat> necessary and proper. Uh, when they have they have the power to uh, coin money, they've got to make laws dealing with coining money. Etc. So, of course, they, uh, the convention is a federal event, uh, even though the states send delegates, it's still a federal a federal um, issue. Um, they don't. Uh, so they'll, they don't tell you in one of the resolutions, um, it will say the delegates will be either chosen by the governor or elected by congressional districts, etc. But they don't have that authority to do that. Now, 
this is what was really, it's not shocking. We've been telling people for years that the elements on the right, so-called right, which I don't believe they are. I think they hit, the Convention of States has, attracts a lot of conservative people because they're pushing limited government, so-called. That's what they're declaring to do. Yet they're working very closely to Schenck Uger's Wolfpack, and they always have from the beginning, even before it was founded back in 11. Hmm. That tells me something's not right here. <laughs> and you look at Mark Meckler. He's supposed to be a Tea Party patriot, conservative, Christian, well, he may be, but he likes to he likes to hang out with um, far leftists who um, don't have a, don't love the Constitution. Now, I'll work with a far leftist to stop a convention. I won't work with one to get one because I know that they hate the Constitution and they want to see some serious radical changes. You imagine having an amendment that will um, that will. Um, get the federal government complete control over elections? Are you kidding me? That is just a naked, gross power grab. Anyone calling themselves a conservative cannot sign on to that. Yet at the hearing in New Hampshire on HCR 8, which was the Wolfpack, you had Convention of States people. Uh, you had the, there's a volunteer leader. He's up there and he had two or three others, all people pushing this Wolfpack. Then you had term limits. Uh, our old friend Ken Quinn, who used to work for Convention of States, whose organization in New Hampshire accused me and others of trying to bribe a state senator, which was a total and absolute lie. And Convention of States says resorts to dirty tricks. You know, if they have the truth on their side, they just persuade people, hey, this is what we need. They don't have to go after their opponents. They don't have to say um, the John Birch Society uh, is a racist organization. They can just say, in fact, the only black person at the hearing who testified, or oh, the hearing, was uh, was a John Birch Society member. By the way, I just want to point that out. They be truthful. They say, "Hey, we disagree with the opposition, and this is why. And we think that we have the, we have the truth. We don't need to smear people. We don't need to do anything dirty. Um, you know, calling, accusing people of bribery, threatening to primary those who don't support it." Uh, and the man they, they accused of bribery, he was in Senator Kevin Avard. He, he had lost his seat, but he won it back. Uh, he's somebody you want there. He's an incredible, he's a good conservative guy. He's somebody you really want in the in the state Senate. But they were, they were so determined for the, the, to push their agenda, they were willing to have this man be labeled uh, by accepting briberies and destroying his reputation. Nasty people. And then I think it was North Dakota, there was a, or maybe I, I, it was either one of the Dakotas, but there was a Senate senator who was running for re-election. He was getting donations from Convention of States, and uh, they were smearing his opponent. And he could, he'd been making, he said, out not lies about his opponent. And this guy had a lot of character. He said, look, we don't do this stuff in our state. You're, you're, you're making falsehoods. It, it make, looks bad upon him, too, because there's his organization supporting him yet uh, and lying about it so he said here's your money back we want nothing to do with you guys and i supported your agenda no more and this happened in other places too where they did infomercials and robot calls smearing their opposition so they are not honorable people the leadership and if you you should know this and not be allied with these people um so uh we have on our website we have a lot of information about the dangers of an article 5 convention if you go to our website, campconstitution.net, there's um, 
some downloads and just scroll down. You'll actually see a model resolution. We encourage you if your state has any uh, applications that are still on the books, and it might be too late to introduce them this year, although it may be the case. Every state has different rules when it comes to resolutions and, and bills. Um, I suggest that you get a hold of them. Uh, we also have some great information that, and, and some of the times the best information isn't a big, thick book or a 10 hour video, but a two pager, you know, the quick, because most legislators are so overwhelmed with things. They said, give me a, give me a, a quick synopsis on the pros and cons of this. And we have some great stuff as to the, the why an article five convention is not a good idea. So campconstitution.net and just scroll down. Well, we have a little bit of time left, um, not, not less than a minute. So I do want to encourage you to uh, check out our website, look into our family camp. And if you do plan on attending, sign up soon because we don't think we're going to have space available. Um, I just spoke to the man who manages the camp and he's going to say, I told him about it. He actually watched the interview too. And he talked about, well, we can make room here. We can put an extra bed here. So we're going to do our best to accommodate as many people as we can. And, um, Anyway, I want to thank you for listening to Camp Constitution Radio and um, on, on the great WBCQ, The Planet. And we encourage you to uh, share this, watch this. Uh, Meet, uh, check out us, check us out on Podomatic and iHeart. And until next week, may God richly bless you. <laughs>